Welcome to this week's NPM podcast. I'm John Burke, Managing Editor of NPM. Joining me on today's program is Andy Redinger, I'm Managing Director and Group Head at KeyBank Capital Markets. Uh, Andy, welcome to the program today. Yeah, appreciate you having me. So KeyBank led NPM's league tables for project finance deals tracked in 2022 for Greenfield Renewables and Energy Transition. And Andy is kind enough to join us today to, to provide some context on a chaotic few months in the bank market and also provide some views on how the Inflation Reduction Act will impact uh, the non-recourse project finance market. So Andy, to start off, um, we've gone to some resolution with uh, Silicon Valley Bank in the last few weeks, but what would you say are the real impacts in terms of how it, uh, the meltdown has had on the credit lending environment in the renewable industry? Yeah, I, I think first there were some immediate impacts, obviously, in which where SVB was involved in, in various deals in which they had not completed their funding. So yeah, there, there was some immediate impact around that, but the the long-term impact, I, I still believe is uh, to be figured out. And, and possibly no impact at all. Um, the renewable space is a very well-banked industry. And based on deals, even that we're working on after the meltdown, we haven't really seen a change in, in regards to structure or pricing and you know, the long-term effects of, that, of them melting down, I still think are to be determined. Uh, more broadly, however, you know, I think the, the bigger impact I believe that the market is feeling is just the continued closure of the other marketplaces that, you know, the market usually goes to to raise capital. And what I'm talking about is the high yield market, the term loan B market, the equity markets, those continue to be closed. And the longer those continue to be closed, the more pressure that's going to put on the banking industry, which will flow into the renewable space in some form or fashion yet to be determined. Okay. Um, were there any um, noticeable disruptions amongst other project finance lenders as a result of this, these events? No, uh, not that I could, not that we, not that we could see. Again, the issues were just short-term in nature where you know, they were involved in, for example, a couple of the deals we were working on in which you know, there was construction funding and they had to fund their piece of the loan. And there's just very some short term issues that, you know, were easily figured out. But outside of that, uh, we haven't really seen any any other impact amongst the uh, the the banks that are lending into the renewable space as of yet. And as this trickles down to um, just the credit facilities themselves in terms of uh, language and um, it, 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 is any of that, do you think it'll get changed at all? Like covenant protection or anything? No, I don't think so. Again, this is a very, um, it's become a very well-banked market. Um, there are a lot of other reasons you know, you would want to bank this space outside of just it's it's very attractive and um there are a lot of opportunities, but there's I, I think just given the the sheer desire of, of the industry of, of the banking industry to want to bank this space, I just I just think it's just gonna overcome 
any type of um, fallout from the SVB situation. Okay. So let's tie back to what you said about earlier about the high yield and the equity markets being closed off. Um, can you maybe give us a sense about just when you get to the terms of pressure on the banks, like what that translates to? Are we going to see just a, a demand for more revolver uh, capacity in that sense? Or, or what, do you, what, what was sort of the net effect of what, what you meant? Yeah, the, what I was referring to is just overall market liquidity. Um, if, if the banking space, you know, the two markets that are open are the bank market and the investment grade marketplace, the bond market. And, you know, for every industry on the planet, they need to access markets to kind of fuel their growth. And having only two markets open, the bank market and the investment grade bond market open, you know, assuming your investment grade, it's just not enough it just won't provide enough capital for all that is needed to help businesses grow. So as you know, everybody on the planet is going to those two markets, you know, liquidity is getting tighter and tighter at a, probably a pace much faster than anybody anticipated. And eventually you're going to get to where, um, you know, there, there, there's going to be, you know, higher pricing, tighter liquidity, um, more scrutiny over um, which deals to do and not do, it, it will just provide an impetus to, you know, friction, if you will, to kind of slow what was a very um, fluid business prior to the SVB meltdown, which, you know, capital was widely available and there were really no issues. And, you know, it's not that at SVB, their demise has really caused this. It's really, I think the bigger issue has been the lack of the additional marketplaces being open to provide that additional liquidity to the overall marketplace that's really required to kind of keep this thing moving along as it was in the past. Um, what's your sense about the role that private credit might play in, in filling this gap? We say private credit, meaning uh, the term loan B market um, well, I, I think I'm speaking more broadly to general liquidity needs, um, you know, whether it's replacing the function of what equity capital might do, you know, for instance, just, just overall liquidity yeah. is what I'm referring to. Oh, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for, and there always has been for private credit. They've just been priced out of the marketplace. The banks have been pricing, um, the credit so aggressively, there just really hasn't been an opportunity for them to come in and play. But as liquidity continues to get tighter, pricing may go up to the level where they need it to make sense for them. So yeah, I do think there is an opportunity for them to come in. But if they do, it's going to be at a price level that I'm sure the uh, the developers, the industry isn't used to. Um which means, you know, somewhere you're either going to have to charge more for the electricity or you're going to have to find more revenue to pay for the higher cost of capital. But yeah, I think private credit has always been there. It's always been an option. It's just been priced out of the marketplace. But if liquidity gets too tight um, and that's the only credit available, they're going to they're going to have a heyday. Right. So just looking uh, broadly at the project finance market for 2023, uh, what's your view in terms of how uh, volumes are going to look like uh, for the rest of this year? Um, 
and how how will um, inflation sort of play into this? Um, and also, I guess adding to B and C, of course, you know how will interconnection log jams uh, also play into this alongside you know supply chain issues? Um, just tying back to the actual project getting finance and being constructed in 2023. Is it more optimistic to say Biomas might get better in 24 and 25? Like what, what are your views here? Well, I think 23 is going to be um, an up year. I think, you know, we already had a slowdown in 22 um, between the, the commerce department investigation, which kind of stalled out the, the, uh, you know, panels, you know, being delivered and the IRA, which gave incentives to delay projects and the Russia invading Ukraine. I think, as you saw last year, you know, there wasn't as much in built in the U.S. And I think that was purposeful because they just moved it to 23. <laughs> so I think 23 is lined up to be a, a very good year. Um, and I think 24 will end up being better than 23 and 25 and so on. I think the IRA, is, IRA has really supercharged it. And uh, again, I think, you know, the, the capital is available. It's just at what price? Um, you know, I don't think we're ever going to say that, you know, you mentioned private credit. It's, there's a ton of it out there. It's just at what price? And, you know, the question will be, you know, what, what type of PPA was signed? What type of offtake agreement do you have? Do you need to renegotiate it? Because costs will probably, if we have to rely on the private credit market, or inflation continues to go up, or we have a much worse liquidity crisis than anticipated, all means pricing on capital is going up. And the question will be, you know, do the project model still work? And do we need to go back and renegotiate an EPC contract or a, a PPA price? But that's really what's going to determine whether or not this year becomes what I believe is going to be a good year or a bad year is ultimately how much do prices go up on capital? Um, and is there enough room in, in the various kind of revenue contracts or expense reductions to kind of offset any, any type of increase in, in costs around, around capital? Um, so in terms of the IRA, um, when do you expect to really see a, the full impact of, uh, this legislation at the project finance market? Well, the full impact, I mean, we're seeing a lot of it now, um, We've never seen more more business come in over the transom than we are now. So it's already affecting, I think, the marketplace. Um, I think, um, you know, the detachability in those rules. I'm still excited to see how, you know, those that come out and how that will affect um, the tax equity market. And, you know, worst case scenario, that whole detachability rules, I, I think will only help to accelerate and possibly offset any additional costs there are on the debt side. Um, but all, all those are positive um, developments that will help continue to kind of move the industry forward, which again, I think we're starting to see the IRA benefits now, at least just by the sheer number of financing requests that, we, that we're looking at. I think the market will end up seeing you know, that sometime in the third or fourth quarter of this year and then into 24 and 25. So getting over to tax equity, um, and I, I really wanted to get your view on this. 
just in terms of the uh, two-parter here, in terms of the cap stack for uh, deals, how do you think A, the IRA will affect um, the role that bank finance plays in these projects uh, relative to tax equity because of the, the potential that it could get bigger depending on the adders? And then uh, getting to transferability, which everybody wants to talk about, but uh, we don't have guidance yet on that, of course, how that's going to affect the tax equity market in general. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, I'll start with transferability. I think, well, the hope is that that will um, bring in some additional players, creating some additional capacity in the tax equity space. The hope is that will reduce the cost of the tax equity component of the cap stack. Um, you know, that component really has never um, felt any pressure to to reduce their costs, where, where I would argue that they are the least, it's the least risky um, piece of the capital stack, but yet they're getting a significantly more higher return than the banks. So my hope is that Yes, the transferability, once we get the rules, uh, helps with bringing in additional players to the space uh, and provides at least some additional pressure to kind of lower the costs there to help all the other pressures that I mentioned in my previous comments. Um, there are some downsides of transferability that I'm sure the market's already aware of. Obviously, if you just if you detach it, you're not getting the step up. You know, you're losing some value there. You got a, you got a stranded depreciation. So I think there's still a lot to be determined around that. But the hope is, you know, we figure a way out that provides, you know, increases the amount of available tax equity in the marketplace, which which help which will help drive down the cost to offset some of these other pressures that renewable financing is seeing. Um, tax equity overall, I think, you know, I, I don't think that's, I think from a financing perspective, I don't expect anything to change, um, you know, possibly some more scrutiny around indemnification, you know, who's indemnifying who, especially if these credits become deferrable. But it also, you know, some additional scrutiny around, you know, who's providing the tax equity, what the strap up is, who's indemnifying who and how much is, you know, what's the indemnification work, but I don't see much changing other than maybe some additional uh, diligence and scrutiny around deals that have higher, higher tax equity amounts. Um, getting back to your point about the um, transferability, uh, lowering the economics, that, is that just, uh, your thought was just leading to the fact that there would be so many more players interested in owning that tax credit, ergo, competition will just lead to lower costs. Is that sort of the, the natural thought there or? Yeah, I think, again, depending on structures and this is hopeful thinking. Yeah, I know. We're, but, st we're still talking yeah, about guidance. I yeah, know. there's yeah. a lot of a lot of detail yeah. needs to come out. But uh, yeah, there's they're hopeful that obviously any any industry that has more competition, it's, it's going to benefit it. And, you know, for the longest time, there's been the same players. Um, in the space and it just needs to we need to expand that i think as i said um the costs around the cost the risk return equation uh by far and away is in in tax equity's favor in these deals i mean they're getting a significant return for taking a minimal risk 
um, and largely because it's a scarce, it's a scarcity. And uh, I think more people will help help put pressure on, on on what they're able to charge and hopefully, you know, offset these other things I mentioned. Um, great. So um, and just one last point about transferability. Um, something that's been mentioned before uh, is uh, recapture risk um, associated with uh, tax equity. Um, obviously, that gets triggered in the event of a, a change of control, which, um, again, given the projects that are out there and how quickly some of these change hands is something that I've been looking at. Um, is that something you think is going to be material within um, the transferability market? Oh, I think so. I, I think there'll probably be an insurance market that develops around that is, you know, and because there'll be a lot of scrutiny around indemnification and, you know, who's providing indemnification, what wherewithal they have. But I do expect, um, hopefully, a robust insurance market develops around that to kind of help that that market along. But yeah, that is that is a that's that's a risk that somebody um will have to kind of take uh and i don't think necessarily that's the buyer's risk it should be the seller's risk and that seller needs to figure out how to best you know the most economic way to kind of take on that risk and that could be through insurance or some type of corporate if they have wherewithal backstop uh thanks for that so to cap it off let's talk about emerging technologies into the ira um obviously it covers quite a bit, um, you know, we cite hydrogen, carbon capture, storage. Uh, I believe RNG also gets included in there as well. Um, what do you, uh, is there any technology in particular that's gonna benefit more than most or are you just seeing massive acceleration across yeah. these different technologies? I, well, I think the easy answer is yeah, I think we're just seeing massive acceleration across these technologies. Um, Clearly, the hydrogen incentives uh, are are pretty significant. Um, you know, I think that the storage um, incentives, especially around mining, uh, are are also very uh, attractive. The manufacturing incentives are attractive, and honestly, that there is so much here that, um, and, and we're starting to kind of move into that space because currently there hasn't really been this deep broad market in any of those technologies here in the u.s and i think the playbook you can look to is europe i mean power prices in europe have been much much higher than the u.s for years so they've, they're just much further ahead on a lot of those technologies but i think looking that way for a playbook uh, and how it will or could play out i think is, is probably a good thing to do but yeah there's 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 an overwhelmingly amount amount of opportunities outside the traditional wind and solar space that we've spent the last 20 minutes talking about. But yeah, we are we are developing our strategy right now to kind of partake um, in those sectors because it, it's going to be it, they're they're all going to be very big. Yeah, I think something noticeable to me has been the sheer amount of M and A for RNG deals in in general. Uh, given, you know, how people were, you know, kind of straddling the fence for a very long time, uh, given um, the end user economics in California, 
um, being like the only viable U.S. market on one hand, and then just being a volatile market on the other. Uh, and yet all these um, deals have taken place in the last few months alone, post-IRA passing for anaerobic digestion, just like there's no tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting to see what the the investment thesis is behind some of those. Yeah. And, you know, the, the various incentives around that market, it just can't all be California based. So that that will be right. The market's got a tremendous amount of uh, figuring out because it, for it to grow like it should. Um, again, the incentive just can't be all California based. It's got to got to it's got to be national based. And we'll, we'll see what happens there. But again, I the incentives, I, I think, will end up um, pushing that marketplace the rng market to to a bigger solution um so we're we're excited about that and we're, we're seeing the same thing we're seeing lots of clients um very interested in, in figuring out how to play in that space right and uh standalone storage speaks for itself at this point yeah. obviously given the opportunities there yes uh yep. great Okay, Andy, that's about all the time we got. So um, thanks for thanks so very much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. And uh, please tune in next time. Okay. Thank you for having me. Good talking with you.